0: The following program is recorded content created by the truth network
1: friends you're not crazy if it feels like the whole world around you has gone crazy the good news is we have the truth in god's word
2: it's time for the line of fire with your host biblical scholar and cultural commentator dr michael brown your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity call 866-34-TRUTH to get on the line of fire and now Here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown.
1: What is it that stands in the way of complete rebellion in every society on the planet? What is it that stands in the way of the world completely losing it and absolutely self-destructing? Well, on the one hand, there is God's restraining power, and in certain ways he works so as to not allow total chaos to happen while still giving us certain Liberties and freedoms of choices. At the same time, it is the presence of God in His people. It is the word of truth in His people, where we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. And as we stand strong, it stops our society from totally going crazy. Without the church, there would be absolute madness. Now's the time, friends for you and I to be healthier and stronger than we've ever been. And I'm here as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity to help infuse truth and courage and hope and strength in you. That's exactly what we wanna to do today. Now here's the number to call. I'm gonna open the phone lines to all questions on all subjects of from whatever background. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. That means, as we've done hundreds of times, I warmly extend an invitation to those who differ with me, to those who have different perspectives, be it culturally, be it morally, be it politically, be it religiously, be it theologically. By all means, give us a call, 866-34-TRUTH. All right, let me give you some perspective that I hope will be helpful. There are some in our broader society— especially people who are non-Christian, non-religious, who will look at many conservative followers of Jesus in America and think, why do you guys have this fixation on homosexuality? Why do you have this fixation on transgender issues? Why do you guys get so worked up over this? I I mean, it's just a tiny percentage of the people and just live and let live. Why are you so fixed on this? What, What, Do you have issues? I understand people asking those questions. But here's what the people asking those questions may not know if you've been going to church regularly for the last 50 years or the last 40 or 30 or 20 or 10 whatever it is but you've been attending regularly for a good number of years i doubt that on a sunday morning you have heard more than one message in a year that just focuses on issues having to do with homosexuality or transgender activism maybe you haven't heard one sermon in many many years when Pastor Louis Giglio was scheduled to pray at President Obama's second inauguration, and he was invited to do so because of his work against human trafficking, it was discovered that this fine evangelical pastor, 15 or 20 years earlier, had made one reference in one message with compassion, reaching out to, to those with same-sex attraction and homosexuals and offering them new life in Jesus. And because of that, he was disinvited and he had to step back politely. In other words, in all these years of preaching, he hardly ever talked about it at all. That's actually the norm. Now, you have some churches that focus on, on these things more, but they are in the tiny minority. And then you have a broadcast like this that deals with moral and cultural issues much more, so we'll talk about it. But the reason that this is an issue, the reason that some of us are drawing a lot of attention to it, is because it's not just a matter of what people are doing in private or with their own lives or just having a live and let live mentality, it is because there is an effort to indoctrinate and change the mindset of those in the larger society. You say, well, prove it. Okay, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to. I wrote an article for The Daily Wire an exclusive for subscribers to The Daily Wire. So I want to take you into that as a non-subscriber and you could, you could read the rest by subscribing there. It's called Sociological Contagion And the growing non binary movement. Sociological contagion and the growing non binary movement. So here's how it starts. According to a controversial 2021 Barna poll, nearly 40%, 4 0, nearly 40% of Gen Z describe themselves as being somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. A 2021 Gallup poll cuts that number in half, but still notes the upsurge in numbers, roughly. 21 percent of gen z americans who have reached uh, adulthood those born between 1997 and 2003 identify as lgbt that is nearly double the proportion of millennials who do so while the gap widens even further when compared with older generations so even even gallup's lower figures still point to a dramatic upturn in lgbtq uh, uh, identification especially when compared to previous generations so here are the gallup numbers gen z born 1997-2003, 20.8% of those polled identify as somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. Millennials, born between 1981 and 1996, that's 10.5% of them identify as somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. Gen X, born 1965 to 1980, it's 4.2%. My generation, baby boomers, that's born nineteen forty-six to nineteen sixty-four, two point six percent. And then traditionalists, so those born before 1946, 08 percent. So, friends, you tell me, how how do you get from less than one percent identifying somewhere on that spectrum? There's people who, when they're polled, so they're they're older, not as as many alive, but still born before nineteen forty-six, there are many, many millions of Americans that that fit in that category, less than 1% would self-identify as someone on the LGBTQ spectrum. My generation, baby boomers, it's 2.6%, even Gen X, 4.2%. Why the dramatic jump to 10.5% with millennials and to 20.8% with Gen Z, or according to the Barner poll, 40%? How does that happen without indoctrination? It's not like there's something in the water people are drinking in the water and they're suddenly becoming gay or they're breathing in the new air and they're suddenly becoming transgender and especially the younger they are the more prone they are to just say hey well I'm bi I could kind of go either way or they want to leave their options open or it's cool to identify as queer that's a new cool thing or it's part of the rebellion against elders or status quo or the quote gender binary that there's male and female well you rebel against stuff when you're younger and these things are common Look, back in in the late 1980s, there was groundbreaking work done by two gay sociologists in conjunction with other gay activist organizations mapping out a strategy as to how they would change the thinking of Americans. And the the Watershed book came out. Gay activists to this day will say it was no big deal, but it became a national bestseller. Who was buying it? Who was reading it? Uh, And it's called After the Ball. And it's how America would would get rid of its fear and hatred of gays in the 90s. The, the subtitle, I just paraphrased. So it was by Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen, two Harvard-trained sociologists, and they lay out strategy. Now, in the book, they say, look, look, and the goals of the book, as brilliantly laid out as they were, the goals of the book were nowhere near where we are today. In other words, in their wildest dreams, they didn't see things going as far as they've gone today. This is even beyond their expectations and goals. And they said, look, let's use the figure 10% for the population that's, that's gay or lesbian. or you know, let, Let's use 10%. We know it's not that high. We know it's not. This is what they said. We know it's not that high. And, and maybe they would have argued for 5%. Others would have argued for 3%. They said, we know it's not that high, but it's a good number to use. And so that became the talking point. 1 in 10, 1 in 10, 1 in 10, 1 in 10, 1 in 10. One in 10. That was the talking point for years. Lo and behold, millennials... Exposed to that bombardment day and night they identify somewhere in the lgbtq spectrum one in ten How interesting is that but but here I want to read this quote and I have this at the end of the article This is this was their strategy. Okay. This was their exact strategy They said this and here's the exact title after the ball how America will conquer its fear and hatred of gays in the 90s their goal was quote the conversion of the average American's emotions, mind, and will through a planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed to the nation via the media. This, this was their strategy, and they lay it out brilliantly in the book, all right? Let, let me read this to you again. This is their goal. The conversion of the average American's emotions, mind, and will through a planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed to the nation via the media. Now, you add into that the educational system, medical professionals, social media, peer pressure, and the results have been devastating. And it's what psychologists would refer to as sociological contagion, that something spreads through a society and people just get caught up with it and it's as if it's in the water or in the air. It's just out there, and especially now with social media and smartphones and everybody being constantly connected to, you just get bombarded instantly and constantly and, and brainwashed and indoctrinated. And it's just it's like a flood, an absolute flood. and people are influenced. Add to that demonic deception. Add to that Satan and his hordes walking, working behind the scenes to destroy people's lives. And friends, it's no surprise. That we've seen what we've seen so why is it that we have been drawing attention to this for so many years because we saw where it would go because we've warned about these things for many many years in writing and on radio and on tv and in other formats and books and things like that to say this is going to affect your kids and grandkids this is going to affect our very liberties this is going to be the principal threat to freedom of religion speech and conscience that's why we have raised these issues now, as for sociological contagion, how many of you are old enough to remember the Cabbage Patch Dolls? In fact, I would, I would love to hear from some of you who were kids. Around 83, I think, the craze exploded. And Maybe we've got a picture of one of these we can put up as I speak. Yeah, some of you watching on Facebook or, or YouTube will remember this. Cabbage Patch Dolls. I remember when, when our daughter, who was, what, maybe six years old when the craze hit, she just she had to, she had to have a Cabbage Patch Doll. This is before there was social media and, and we didn't have a TV in our home, but she had, to, she had to have one. And I, as a good father, had to get one for her if I could. And, and there I mean, families would camp out overnight at the store that's gonna happen them. They'd attack each other violently. It's just a craze. And then afterwards, the kid throws the doll aside, doesn't care about it anymore. Do you remember, if, if you were a kid back then, do you remember what you felt like or why you had that, I'd love to hear from you if that's the case, or a parent, you remember living through this. It's an example of sociological contagion, but now it's not a doll. Now it's kids saying, I'm queer. I'm trans. I'm bi. Friends, this is why we must bring moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Let's do it together. You right that.
2: the line of fire with your host dr michael brown get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr michael brown
1: thanks for joining us on the line of fire michael brown delighted to be with you friends we want to keep you abreast of the latest updates key articles we've written key videos we've put out you know in these days things can get taken down on social media you never know what's going to get banned this way you won't miss a thing. We want to keep you updated. We want to equip you. We may have a special resource offer we want you to know about. I may be preaching in your city. This way we'll let you know. Go to askdrbrown.org. askdrbrown.org and click to sign up for our emails. We will keep you updated. You will not miss a thing. Askdrbrown.org. All right, I'm going to go back to the phones or go to the phones in a moment. 866 866- three, four, eight, seven, eight, eight, four. It was in 19, excuse me, 2004, 2004, that I got tremendously burdened by the Lord to begin to address issues of homosexual activism in our society. I've shared this before, but let me share it again. When I question in my heart, Lord, why me? I don't come out of homosexuality. If that was part of my testimony, I would share it. That's not my background. I've never struggled in that area. I've never had a particular burden to reach out to those with same-sex attraction. I had friends that were ex-gay, but I never had a a burden to focus on that. And my PhD is in Near Eastern Languages and Literatures from New York University. And my professional ministry training is all in a different direction. I'm not a a psychologist or a counselor or something like that. So why me? And and what I began to sense immediately is nobody gets to sit this one out. This is ultimately going to involve everybody and you need to be on the front lines of pushing back. At the same time, I knew that was only half of it. In other words... Pushing back against an agenda that I felt was destructive to our culture and to our country. I'm not talking about hurting individuals. We're talking about pushing back against an agenda. I knew that was only part of it. I knew that God also cared about people, that it was not just an agenda, but it was people. One pastor commented that if you say homosexuality to my generation, we think an issue. You say it to the younger generation, they think a person. And it's both. It's, it's both an agenda, an issue, and it's a person. So I really prayed that God would give me his heart. I, I made appointments to meet with local gay activists just to sit and let them share their story, hear their heart. I read whatever books I, I could by people who said I tried to be ex-gay and it didn't work. And now I'm a gay pastor. I, I would read some of the stuff and, and just weep because my heart broke for the people. And it was early 2005 that this came together in my heart with the word reach out and resist. Reach out to the people with compassion Resist the agenda with courage. So much of what's happening in the world around us today, as crazy as it sounds, we and others have been talking about it for years and documenting it. Now that it's reached this proportion where transgender issues have just swept the nation. I mean, it's the Biden administration versus specific states in America. And if it's different, it's different countries around the world saying, hey, we made some mistakes here. We better pull back and try to transition children and things like that. It's, It's become this national discussion. When we started talking about people like, why are you wasting your time talking about this? Mike, you've got so many other things to cover. It's like, hey, we haven't stopped doing Jewish evangelism. We haven't stopped going to the nations. We haven't stopped pouring into missionaries to, to send out around the world. We haven't stopped uh, doing Jewish apologetics. We haven't stopped debating. We haven't stopped doing everything else we do. We, we're, we, ha- we haven't stopped traveling preaching. We haven't stopped writing commentaries. and work. You know, was, We're doing everything we've always done, but now we've added this in as well. And I told people, I feel like, like a, an umbrella salesman in the desert. That's how I feel, like an umbrella salesman in the desert. And there's no cloud in sight, and we're building warehouse after warehouse filled with umbrellas. And people said, Dr. Bell, why are you doing this? Because the storm's coming. Because the storm's coming. And when it comes, we won't be able to manufacture umbrellas fast enough. People, metaphorically speaking, have been buying those umbrellas from us for years now. Because they realize, whoa, this is right here in our home. Now we've got an issue with our 15-year-old daughter who suddenly identifies as a boy. Now, now we've, we've got an issue. You know, my, my spouse says he's actually same-sex attracted, he's not interested in me anymore. What, what do we do? Here we are. Kids come home from school with a book, you know, and hey, this is a pretty picture at the end, and the two boys are kissing, and the parents are like, what? That's in your book and you're in first grade? So these are the issues now before us, but we've been telling you for many years they were coming. The good news is, and I'll get to this a little later in the show, the pushback continues. We've told you for years that those on the left, the radical left, those radical activists, LGBTQ, they will overplay their hand. And we are in the midst, we are in the midst right now of the pushback. The key thing is it must ultimately be driven by the gospel. Let governments do what they do. Let the media do what it does. Let others push back, however they push back. But let us lead the way in prayer, in reaching out with love and compassion to those who differ, and to say, hey, we're not against you. We don't hate you. You may think we hate you because we we don't believe in same-sex marriage and those kinds of things, but we're sure God has a better way. Build relationships. Get involved with people's lives because they are fellow human beings created in the image of God, loved by God and for whom Jesus died. And have the same mercy and compassion on them that God had on you and me. When, when we did not see things God's ways, and when we had our own perspectives. And through prayer, outreach, love, and then standing for what's right, let's help turn the tide. All right, I'm going to go to the phones, and here we go. Let's go to Glenn in Dayton, Ohio. Are you listening on Truth 106.5? Is that the the frequency in Dayton?
0: I sure am, yep.
1: All right, cool. All right, well, glad I remembered it from a caller the other day. What's up, sir?
0: Hey, I just wanted to weigh in. As Christian people, as we are constantly um, recognizing that we're not perfect, but we're struggling to be as righteous as possible, I think the issue for a lot of people with, these, um, with the homosexual um, rights and the way it's all handled in society, I think most of us that are not within that minority mostly feel like, hey, live and let them live, let them do what they want to do, so long mm-hmm. as they let us do the same thing. However, they are, from my perspective, those folks are pushing their agenda very, very the Lord. that minority has the right to control the rest of our majority with all due respect
1: yeah and Glenn I I appreciate you weighing in and thanks for being a regular listener shout out to everyone listening on 106.5 truth in Dayton we we welcome you as one of our new stations Uh, make sure that you get our updates askdarkybrown.org sign up there we'd love to stay in touch with you so here here's what's important to understand I, I saw this immediately it became very clear when I, I remember reading the book by Alan Sears and Craig Austin, The Homosexual Agenda, which said this is the principal uh, threat to freedom of speech or freedom of conscience in America. And I thought, wow, it is. It, it really is. So here's what I began saying years ago. Those who came out of the closet want to put us in the closet. Now, now here's the progression. We're talking about activists, right? They're the ones aggressively coming out of the closet, marching in the streets, making demands, etc. So they come out of the closet, and, and they said, we want our rights. We, now, look, let's look at it from their perspective. This is the way we've always been. We didn't ask to be like this. It's as natural for us to be homosexual as it is for you to be heterosexual. This is be the gay activist argument, right? And if you're, you're listening, gay, lesbian, and you think I got this wrong, then, then tell me. Call in, 866-34-TRUTH, and tell me. So here's the thing. In their, in their minds, we, we want to be able to have our relationships openly, we want to walk down the streets holding hands like a heterosexual couple. Could, why, why should there be a law against it? Why should we be discriminated against at work? You know, boss finds out that you're in a same-sex relationship, but you do your job fine. Why should we lose our jobs? So we just want to be treated fairly with equality under the law. And, and you believe what you believe. That's fine. Just live and let live. We, we, we want our rights. Well, then move from that to we demand you recognize our rights. Not just we want our rights, but we demand... You recognize our rights. Then it moved to, we're going to take away your rights. Then it moved to, we're going to put you in the closet. And in point of fact, that's why this is such an issue. In other words, if this was not a matter of redefining marriage for the whole nation, right? And basically codifying you as a bigot if you don't accept that. If if it was simply a matter of, hey, you have your relationships, you do what you do. We're not invading your homes and telling you you can't if your gay church wants to pronounce a blessing ceremony, whatever, but just don't try to change the whole society, remake our whole ideology, and now mandate that this must be taught in our schools. But see, that's the inevitable direction. It has to happen. It ha- it, this is the way it must go in terms of the direction of the activism. That's why we've given the warning for so many years. That's why we've been shouting it from the rooftops because of the inevitable trajectory. Now the question is, as it's gone this far, what are we going to do as God's people? We'll be right back.
2: The line of fire with your host dr michael brown get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr michael brown
1: why is is twitter and board and employees why is twitter as a whole seemingly so afraid of of elon musk potentially taking over the company 866-348-7884 michael brown delighted to be with you here on the line of fire Phone's open for all questions of all kinds. In fact, I'm going to come back to Elon Musk, and then I want to give you some encouraging words about society continuing to push back against extremism. But before I do, I did a chat, a live stream last night on a a YouTube broadcast, and I guess it was on a couple times before that I didn't remember specifics, just because we get to do a a lot of these as we have time and, and opportunity. So, Uh, The gentleman hosting me just wanted to remind me that his viewing audience was largely Calvinistic reformed and that might color some of the questions coming in. I said whatever because the whole thing was I just came on and answered questions. So a, a good part of the time and I imagine if he allowed the entire broadcast would have been devoted to people following up with critics questions against me not not a syllable about what i've written what i've what i've taught and preached for decades so i mean many many thousands of pages of material many many thousands of hours of material but rather why am i a friend with such and such whom they consider a false teacher or why don't i call out this one more and i thought isn't that remarkable that there's a certain circle within the body that is really that's the focus and and everything is judged through that grid, as opposed to, let's watch someone's ministry, let's take in who they are, what they stand for, what they preach and teach, et cetera, right? What do I emphasize? And the only time some names come up is if somebody calls me on the phone uh, during the show and says, how come you're on so-and-so's TV show? Or why, uh, why don't you attack this person more and call them out more? No, it's because I'm not talking about them otherwise. I'm not bringing them up. I'm not actively working with them many I don't work with at all. And I thought it's, it's a very interesting mindset. And and when people said, well, you don't give callers an opportunity, it's like, call, I'm, I'm lucky. We have open phone lines for people to call. I have extended an invitation to those who are critical of our ministry, who differ over and over, hundreds of times. I've often done it before coming on the air on social media. Hey, critics, skeptics, those who differ, you're welcome to call and they don't call. I give the opportunity, and then for those who actually have a substantive debate with me, right, on, a, on a, a biblical issue, a doctrinal issue, an eschatological issue, a theological issue, I've said, okay, if you find a qualified representative willing to debate because you want it to be fair, right, you put me in, in the ring with, with Tyson Fury, the world heavyweight Championship, uh, champion, and in a matter of seconds, uh, I'd be knocked out cold. I might even be killed by the power of his blows well, it's not fair. He's the heavyweight champ. Well, the same way you can put me into debate someone, even if their points are good points, but they're just not qualified to do it. So I I defeat them in the debate. What does it prove? So I want it to be someone that's qualified, a good representative from the other side. When I'm asked to speak on college campuses on on controversial issues, I request, rather than me giving a lecture, can you find someone, one of the professors or someone qualified, recognized by the community there that can take the other side and debate me so people can hear both sides. I've tried to do that for years. We, we, we had a short lived debate program on, on the awakening network that was just up for a few months and then had to shut down. But the challenge was to get people willing to debate me in a fair debate where everybody gets equal time. So I'm trying to put relevant issues on the table day and night. And we don't get a lot of takers willing to challenge Well, it's not good on, on radio because you control the mic. Now, let me be candid. I'm on shows, as much as the door opens, that are hostile to me, as long as I get to speak. In other words, they control the mic, they control the agenda, but at least I got a shot at it. I'm going to try to get my voice out. But if you say, nope, I won't do it unless it's fair, neutral, moderated. Great! Let us have a fair, neutral, moderated debate on any of the key issues we talk about here, any of the key things that I stand for. Let's do it. And these days, and this of course is our schedules permit, but these days you don't even have to be in the same physical place to do it and get all the funding for the video cameras and the right audio setup and the building to host it. You can just do it online. Yeah. So my door remains open. The fact is, these issues that a small group of people with with passion focus on, it's not the focus of 99.9% of you listening and watching, which is why we're here together. I just want to mention that, just for the record, that my door remains wide open. Okay. <clears throat> so Elon Musk, I'm not looking to him as a bastion of godliness. He's definitely saying some good things that I agree with pushing back against the radical wokeism of our culture, right? Absolutely clear on that. And there are some things he's saying in terms of concerns about Twitter that are very valid concerns in terms of freedom of speech. And personally, I'd love to see him take it over and, and, and open it up the way that he talks about opening up and see with his genius if things could be expanded in a much healthier way. Because right now, just just bear in mind, on Twitter, not only does Twitter have the power to ban the the most powerful man on the planet at that time, President Trump, but there are major media figures, people with millions of followers, and if they will dare say on Twitter that a biological male remains a biological male, no matter how many hormones that person has, no matter how many sex change surgeries they have, they remain a biological male, they get you banned on Twitter. I, I mean, it is that radical, that extreme. So what's the fear? What's the fear? So here's, here's an article uh, on C- CNBC. Elon Musk buying Twitter could have, quote, grave implications for civil rights, says Urban League. And then here's, here's the actual quote here. Uh, in a letter Monday to Twitter chairman Brett Taylor, this is Mark Morial, president of the National Urban League, said Musk... Has expressed concerning views around content moderation and free speech that are counter to the principles of creating an online community that is safe for marginalized communities and protects our democracy. He said, without key protections and safeguards, much of the concerning activities we see on Twitter, including white supremacist propaganda, racial, religious hatred, voter suppression through election disinformation, algorithmic bias, discrimination, the hardening of national discourse are likely to proliferate under most ownership. So, so first, that's, that's a massive presumption. That is a massive presumption that will proliferate. The fact of the matter is, groups on the radical left have all kinds of freedom of speech. And it's even been documented, you'll have some Iranian leader calling for the annihilation of Israel, and he keeps his account. And then, then you just say Richard Levine will always be a male, even if his name is changed to Rachel, and you get banned. So it's completely the other way. All this is just trying to shift things. Now, here are my own views on how much freedom of speech should be allowed. It's really simple. Now, I would need an attorney on with me and maybe some social media legal expert to to flesh this out. But to me, it's really simple. Are there categories of speech that are forbidden under law, right? We have freedom of speech as a fundamental American right. But that doesn't mean you are entitled to all speech, correct? There are things that will break the law. In other words, if you stood on a street corner, and let's let's say you're a white supremacist and you go into a black neighborhood and you start screaming out, all right, we're going to go to house number here, address here, we're going to burn this house down, we're going to shoot and kill everybody in there, and I'm going to give you instructions on how to use your weapon. I would be fairly sure that that would be illegal, rightly so, under our free speech laws. On the other hand, if, if you stood in a street corner in the middle of the city and said white is the best race, as despicable as that comment is attacking other races, I think it's, it's free. Just like when you have a black Hebrew Israelite extremist there uh, saying that, that white, uh, white man is the manifestation of Satan, as, as perverse and corrupt as that is, saying it's freedom of speech to do it. So in my mind the social media platforms are the same. Social media platforms are the same. That if it's legal on a street corner, it should be legal on social media. Is it legal on a street corner to hold up naked pictures? Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Well, same thing on your social media platform. So you have certain filters, and, and certain things could be banned and prohibited, but otherwise there's freedom. And, and as it's been said, real freedom of speech is to allow people that you disagree with to say disagreeable things, right? All right, <clears throat> let me give you a bunch of highlight examples, and I'm gonna go back to the phones. A bunch of highlight examples of areas where society is pushing back. Some of it is, is political, legal, some of it is, is uh, just grassroots kinds of things, but let's, let's take a look at this and um, some examples of pushback in our society. Let's see, and I'm going back a couple weeks on some of these to catch up. How about this from from Fox News? Lauren Boebert declares runner-up to transgender swimmer Leah Thomas rightful winner. So here you have Colorado GOP Rep. Lauren Boebert, who was leading a resolution in the House of Representatives to honor the runner-up to transgender swimmer Leah Thomas as the rightful winner of the NCAA's women's 500-yard freestyle swim. I mean, it has to happen. This pushback against the absurdity of a biological male smashing records of, uh, of biological females. This from the Daily Wire. Uh, audience wants content they believe in, not woke corporations who hate them. Daily Wire CEO unloads on Disney and, D- and Daily Wire says, hey, we're going to put $100 million into investing in programming for children uh, because Disney's gotten so uh, activist and corrupt in their approach. Uh, how about this? Wall Street Journal. Oberlin College loses its appeal. A court upholds a 31.2 million judgment against the Ohio school for defaming a local business. You just can't do what Oberlin participated in doing, and the courts have said absolutely so. Uh, how about this? This is big. March 31st, uh, Jerusalem Post: Finnish court clears lawmaker of charges over homosexuality comments. There, there is a, a Finnish parliamentarian, uh, established woman Christian in the world of politics and she had made comments over a few years differing with the Finnish Lutheran Church's teaching on homosexuality, etc., and was facing potentially six years in jail for her comments. I documented it in silencing of the lambs. And the Finnish court said, nope, this is a freedom she is allowed to have. A lot more examples. Society, different nations pushing back against the extreme, and friends, we told you this is gonna happen. It's happening all around us. We come back, we go to your calls.
2: The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling
1: 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on The Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Let us go to William in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Welcome to The Line of Fire. Hey,
3: Dr. Brown, thank you for taking my question. Um, I'm a member of a Methodist church, and um, about three years ago, they uh, had a vote, they were having a vote on same-sex marriage, which um, it was a worldwide vote, which yep. um, luckily, the reason, you're probably familiar with it, but they voted against same-sex marriage, but my the church I attend, um, I was pretty much discouraged, because it pretty much fractured our church, because I would say... Um, half of the people wore, were for same-sex marriage and half were not. Mm-hmm. So I got into an, an argument with one of the members um, about it being in the Bible, how Paul had quoted that, you know, homosexuality is a sin, and then they made the comment back to me that Jesus never said homosexuality was a sin. So I just, I just want to hear your viewpoint on that.
1: Yeah, so first ask them a question what did Jesus say about a husband beating his wife? The answer is nothing. Well, does that mean it's okay for a husband to beat his wife? So you first want to expose the 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 ridiculousness of the question. If, if I say, what did Jesus say about kidnapping children specifically? Well, he didn't address that specifically. Does that mean it's okay to do it? So you just want to expose the argument from silence, how bankrupt it is. Having said that... Um, The answer is, yes, Jesus does address this three separate ways. Now, he didn't need to because everyone knows that first century Jewish teaching absolutely forbade homosexual practice. In fact, it was considered to be so uncommon in Jewish circles that it was fine for two men that were maybe studying in a study hall together to share a bed because homosexuality was just not an issue. It was considered that off limits uh, for, for Jewish men. But... Even so, Jesus addresses it in three separate ways. Number one, Matthew 5, verse 17. I'm gonna gonna give you a link to a video that will lay this out very succinctly in six minutes. So number one in Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So what does he do with the moral commandments of the Torah? Like it says, don't commit adultery. He takes it higher and says, don't even commit adultery in your heart, right? It says, "Don't murder." He takes it even higher: "Don't hate your don't hate your brother." So, in the same way, we know that Leviticus flatly forbids homosexual practice, saying it's detestable in God's sight. So, Jesus takes the moral commandments of the Torah higher; he doesn't abolish them, right? He fulfills them. He brings them to their fullest meaning. That's the first thing. Then, in Matthew fifteen, beginning verse nineteen, Jesus says that what what comes out of your heart defiles you, not the food you eat that comes in your mouth, but what comes out of your heart, that's what defiles you. So he then lists the sins of the heart. One of them is sexual immorality, and it's in the plural in Greek, porneia. That means all forms of sex outside of marriage defile the individual. That's Matthew 15. That absolutely included homosexual practice in his day. Then Matthew 19, verses four through six, He defines marriage as the union of one man and one woman as God intended from the beginning, united for life. So he tells us what marriage is in Matthew 19, 4 through 6, the union of one man and one woman for life. He tells us in Matthew 15 that all sexual acts outside of marriage defile. And he tells us in Matthew 5 that he reinforces the Torah's moral commandments. So there's no question where he stood on it there's no question where paul stood there's no question where moses stood so you've got the wish the issue the the witness of moses jesus and paul which is overwhelmingly strong and and of course paul writing to the corinthians says you used to be like that you used to be adulterers used to be engaged in homosexual practice you used to be drunkards but you're not anymore because you've been changed through the gospel so that's the that's the hope of the gospel as for the methodist church sadly The whole reason that the vote for same-sex, quote, marriage was was shut down was because of conservative churches, Methodist churches, that held to the Bible in the continent of Africa and in countries like Russia. Uh, Otherwise, if it was left to America, the Methodist Church of America has gone liberal by and large. The conservative part is very small. So now they're officially going to split over it. You know, there's going to be the the wing that holds to the Bible and the wing that holds to the traditions of people. And and you'll watch and see that the ones that hold to the Bible, by and large, are the ones that grow and get stronger, and the ones that have departed from the Bible will keep losing members, as has happened with other denominations that have gone through these splits. So key thing is to be with people of like heart, like mind, that, that believe in the authority of Scripture, that love Jesus, and whether it's the same church you're in or another one, God will, will plant you. So, William, If you go to my website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, and then forward slash consider this, make it one word. So askdrbrown.org, and then forward slash consider this, you'll find 10 or 11 videos we've done. The first one, Can You Be Gay and Christian? And I go through six minutes what the Bible says, deal with the objection. So it's really concise, askdrbrown.org forward slash consider this. And then you'll okay. see the very first video, Can You Be Gay and Christian? Circulate it to your friends. You'll find it very helpful. And these issues are clear as day, which is why there was never really any debate about it until after the sexual revolution of the 60s and going into the 70s. Endless commentaries. that There's just almost no debate about these things because it was universally understood. What marriage was, a man and a woman, even if you could have polygamy or things like that, it's still understood the two essential ingredients, one man, one woman. Without that, there's no such thing as marriage. Hey, William, thank you for the call. Uh, 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Bruce in Duluth, Minnesota. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
3: Thank you, Dr. Brown. A pleasure to speak to you. I um, wanted to get your views, and this is not on today's topic. Yeah, that's okay. um, What are your thoughts about the video series, movie series, Put out by dallas jenkins called the chosen
2: right Do you feel
3: so, it is um edifying to believers like myself
1: right or- so i i've only watched uh, uh, sir I've, I've only watched select episodes i have friends of mine that absolutely love it i mean solid believers absolutely love it and for sure i'd far rather far rather that people are watching that than so much of the trash that's out there my problem is, as a biblical scholar, the moment something deviates or slightly different historically, I get distracted. So I wanna go back to it. I, I have it on, you know, like, when I'm done just writing and praying and everything, I'm just gonna chill for a little while and, and maybe watch something. I've got it ready to watch. Uh, I got, but I've only watched select episodes. So my take would be, of course, it's not gonna give it exactly the way the Bible does, but if it's presenting a true picture of Jesus in terms of the basics of the gospel, and people can watch that and learn from it. Wonderful, but but I can't say more, just because even though it's such a sensation that's out there, I, I have not, I have not watched more of it, and I get hung up in ways that most wouldn't get hung up. I mean, little details. That, okay, let me let me try to get over that and take it in as a whole. So I'll, I'll give an update, hopefully, in the weeks ahead. And let's see, Mike in Burlington, North Carolina. Time is really short, but I'm ready to dive in. Are you there? Are you there, Mike? All right. tell you what, you must be listening on radio. So this is a little bit behind. What I see on my screen is how do I talk to a gay couple? So I know you want to elaborate on it, but I want to make sure I get the call in before we're out of time. So, so Mike, I would speak to a gay couple the way I would speak to any two other human beings. In other words, they are fellow human beings, they are created in the image of God, Jesus died for them, and they need to be saved. Not simply because they're a gay couple, the fact that they're practicing homosexuality is just a manifestation of their fallenness and lostness, just like we're all lost without Jesus. So, I would just get to know them. I would be a friend. I would take an interest in their lives. And then as the door opened, I would talk to them about spiritual things. As the door opened, I'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, certainly that's going to spark things. If they claim to be gay Christians, oh, we love Jesus and we're married and, and, and we go to our church and we're active in our community, then say, hey, so the real issue is what does the Bible say? Could we agree on that? And if they say, well, it has many different interpretations. Okay, so then they're, they're not even really claiming to be Bible-believing Christians. If they do claim to be Bible-believing Christians, ask them, hey, could we like study the scriptures on this together? Are, are you willing to do that? Or maybe you give me a book to read, I'll give you a book to read. Uh, maybe watch that video I just mentioned, Can You Be Gay and Christian? Say, hey, would you watch this, right? And, and again, that's askdrbrown.org forward slash consider this. And you'll see it, the first video that pops up, can you be gay Christian, uh, on, on the screen there. So ask them maybe, w- would they watch that with you? Or maybe watch a debate uh, where, where I and a colleague are debating gay pastors and things like that. And if they don't claim to be Christian, then it's just a matter of how do you lead them to the Lord? And maybe one's open, one's not. Same if, if it's a heterosexual couple. But love on them as fellow human beings, Get to get to know them, take a genuine interest in their well-being, and it may be one of them is open to the gospel, the others not. Proceed like that. If they claim to be Christians, then it's one approach. If they don't claim to be Christians at all, another. May the Lord use you as a witness. Friends, we're out of time. Next broadcast, thoroughly Jewish Thursday.